Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense or knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So today I'm super excited to be talking to Maya Klo. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So you were put on my radar screen by another podcast guest, Ian Cavanaugh, and mm-hmm. when he told me a little bit about what you were doing, I was like, oh my goodness, yes. And then he sent me a blog post, and I was like, yes, 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 yes. And so here we go. Tell us about yourself, Maya, and so the rest of the world can get as excited as I am. All right. So I guess I'll start with what I do. I'm a music therapist. And I live in Toronto right now. I've been here for three and a half years. And I work mostly in long-term care, though I've started to do a little bit more with children as well recently, which is really fun. And I studied music therapy at Acadia, graduated in 2017. And yeah, when I'm not doing music therapy, I like to paint and I like to cook and I like to spend time with my friends. And I'm originally from PEI, so Toronto is a pretty big, big difference from growing up on the island and then in small town, Nova Scotia, but I'm liking it. Oh, lovely. So what I read in your blog, which made me go, oh, yes, I need to talk to this girl about intuition, was that you started out in biology and then flipped the coin and I'm like I resonate with this girl because I did something similar (laughs) are you able to tell us a little bit about more how you went from being the science student to music therapy and was music part of music must have been part of your world before that yeah and that was kind of what happened so I like you said I was in biology I wanted to do something healthcare related I thought I really like helping people, working with people. And I I like science. I I really enjoy biology. And I thought, you know, this is kind of a good avenue to go through, I think, if I want to do something like that. But it was so, just so science focused. And I was always really, really into music and into art. And I missed those parts of my life so much. Like I just had no time to do anything that really brought me true joy and that I was really, really passionate about. And I was like, I can't stay in this field where I don't get to nourish my my heart in the way that I need to. And so I was really lucky that I was at Acadia because we have a music therapy program and it's the only university in Atlantic Canada with a music therapy program. I had 
never heard of music therapy before coming to Acadia, but my RA was in the program and a couple other people I knew. So I was like, I talked to her a little bit about it and I was just like, this is what I need to do. It's like the perfect emergence of both of the things that I'm passionate about, which is healthcare and helping others and also music and art. And I just knew that I had to do it. So <laughs> I did. Wonderful. Like the serendipity of being at Acadia, like something took you there and then mm-hmm. your RA being in the program. Like I do mm-hmm. I love those serendipities and how the connected the dots is like yeah. It's like there's a an, an blueprint plan that's already there. And, oh, we'll just, it's like you're in a bumper car. We'll just bump you over here and you'll you'll land okay, Maya. Don't you worry. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, neat. So how did, like, how did you land in Toronto? I just felt like I wanted a change. You know, I, I could have gone to Halifax. That was another thing that I was thinking about and another option that I had. Because after we do the program, we have to do an internship. So you apply all over Canada to do your internship. I also could have gone back to PEI, but I just, I needed a big change. I I just felt like I wanted a big change. So I decided to go to Toronto, which is about the biggest change I could have done. But I don't know, you probably know my, my parents as well, went to Acadia and also moved to Toronto after they finished their degrees. So I kind of felt like I was... You know, they they were very supportive of that because they had done a very similar thing as well. And I was kind of following in their footsteps in that way, I guess. Makes it easier for them to say yes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cool. Now, you are working in a sector during COVID that is so needed for what you do, but it, it it comes with its own stuff. Yeah. So can you tell everybody how, you know, you were drawn into the long-term care home world versus other options that a music therapist could use? Mm-hmm. So I've been working in long-term care since I started my internship because it's the main, I work for a contracting company, which is the same one that I did my internship with, who contracts mostly to long-term care homes. And I really just kind of I think I resonate a lot with that population. Older adults and and adults is definitely where I thrive as a music therapist, mostly because I have a lot of experience. But yeah, right now it's it's a pretty difficult place to be in a way. I was telling you earlier that I, for a little bit at the very beginning of the pandemic, I didn't really know if I should be going in just because I felt like the least amount of people in the home is, is better for the residents and the fact that you know, the least amount of traffic, the least chance that somebody will bring COVID into the home. But I ultimately decided to go back to work. And I'm so glad that I did. It's so needed right now. They really just need somebody to talk to somebody to bring a little bit of stimulation to their lives. You know, the rec therapists are so tied up with phone calls to their families that they really have nothing else to bring them some enjoyment and you know some sessions I just we just talk for the whole session sometimes music doesn't even happen and that's because that's what needs to happen Mm -hmm. in the session that's what they need at that time yeah so how many people would you be working with at one time so usually I my caseload is about 
10 one-to-ones and then my groups I would have four groups of about eight people each but right now it's a little bit different I'm going to usually I'm all over the place um, all over the home in one day different floors different units but right now I'm um, I'm going to one floor a day just to you know keep it easier keep to track, track of it that way yeah, yeah. easier yeah. and also um, safer just to not you know be going up and down just in case something happens on one floor I don't want to you know have gone to another floor on that day Right. right. Infection-wise. For sure. So because of that, I'm able to see so many more people. Like, I've been able to see residents that I I don't usually see on my caseload. Um, so I start off seeing the people on the floor that are already on my caseload, but then I also contact the nurses and connect with the rec therapists on the floor and kind of ask, you know, who needs it today? Like, who really needs some extra support, some extra joy and then depending on who they told me then I I see that extra people as well yeah and you've you're dealing with a home that has over 250 has about 250 residents you were saying so 450 oh yeah okay I got yeah my my math (laughs) it's a big it's a huge I think it's the second biggest in Ontario wow okay yeah it's huge and so like my exposure to music and seniors has been through kind of the dementia window but I'm sure it's even more profound for people who don't have dementia but how it can open the door to a person's soul is so profound to me and so when I heard you were doing this with seniors I was just like you know little me was just like yay (laughs) how beautiful is this because that population can be disconnected and especially during covid more disconnected from the people who are in their their bubble to support them so with the music therapies i need you to explain this to me because like i say i have a very stereotypical impression of what it is but explain to me kind of what you do yeah so the simplest way to put it is that i use music as a tool to help people reach non-musical goals so they could be there's all sorts of different areas, uh, goal areas. There's physical, cognitive, emotional, social, communicative, spiritual. So I would assess every client that comes onto my caseload and kind of determine, you know, what areas they might need music to help. And then music and also uh, our therapeutic relationship is are the tools that I use to help them. So <laughs> it can look so different for every person. Mm. Um But yeah, like you said, in long-term care, I work with a lot of clients who have dementia. So, you know, definitely music, bringing up memories and reminiscing with music is definitely a huge part of it. But I also have clients, not so much right now, but I I did have clients in the past who we use music to help them reach physical goals, like maintaining steadiness of their gait or helping them rehabilitate their arm movements if they have limited upper body movement abilities or helping people rehabilitate speech is another thing that happens a lot. Yeah, it's just, it's so vast. I have some clients, you know, he who just want to listen to Chopin and just kind of let that be a catharsis for them. Mm. Or I have some clients who, you know, want to dance to some bolero who, you know, I was, I think I, I mentioned this in the blog, but I had a 
a nice moment a couple weeks ago where a client who had her husband there as an essential caregiver who doesn't always recognize her husband. I put on some music from her past and she started dancing and started dancing with her husband. And it was, it was just really nice to see them connect that way and, and know that the music helped them to connect in a really meaningful way. Yeah. Amazing. So Mm -hmm. true. So true. It breaks many boundaries and in, it's, such a universal language for the whole world so that's true and that actually that client only speaks spanish so yeah there you go oh yeah nice wow Mm -hmm. so i was also excited before we get talking that you actually have a private practice that you don't have time Mm -hmm. for right now but that people who you know two years from now they hear this podcast could connect with you online even right mm-hmm. yeah absolutely virtual sessions are definitely a reality right now and I think they're going to stick around even even past this I think so I yeah mm-hmm. so what's your website so it's lighthousemt.com Amazon music tea is in therapy that's right perfect yeah okay I think if you google lighthouse music therapy it'll come up as well Awesome. And so what would a virtual session, was it just the same idea only you're just not in the same room? Pretty much. So I've done only a few virtual sessions thus far. I've been too busy. (laughs) Yeah, they've been with groups of children. So that would look very different than I think a session that I would do with an adult or a senior. But yeah, essentially the same thing. It, It is tricky because there are some aspects which are difficult to translate virtually, but for the most part, it works better than I thought it would. <laughs> cool. Pretty much. Well, yeah. Again, because that vibration and the music itself is the is the therapy sometimes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Very cool. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and ask you how okay. how does intuition come to you? given these leaps that you do and given just working in a session or, or going back to work in a long term care home, there has to have been intuition there, Maya, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about this before and I think that I, I'm a knower. I think I, I know when I need to do something or when something is right for me. And I think that when I switched to music therapy or when I decided to start my practice, it was just something that I really knew had to happen. I knew I had to do for my better interests, happiness wise. But that being said, I think I'm trying to be a little bit more of a beer, if that's the right term. I'm trying to, you know, I need intuition every single day through it during my sessions. I need to be present. I'm trying to work on that, on that, you know, I definitely can and I do during sessions, but I, I definitely want to try and do that a little bit more. I've been trying to, you know, practice meditation and just learn how to be really present in every area of my life, but especially with my clients and during my sessions, if that makes sense. Yes, for sure. I mean, that presence is powerful and Uh I mean I think probably when you're playing music if you're actually engaged with the instrument itself you you have to be present in order to get it right that's that's uh the beauty of 
animals and music, they make you accountable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. So it was yeah, exciting. Yeah, I have to be in the here and now. Yeah. And you also are an artist. And I, yeah. to me, art is very intuitive as well. Yeah. yeah. Even if you're coloring in a coloring book, what color you pick is still intuitive. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so as far as art's concerned, how long have you been doing that? Forever. Literally for my entire life. I don't remember not loving art and loving drawing, coloring, anything to do with uh, creating pictures. Yeah. And you've never stopped. No, I've never stopped. I mean, I've definitely had periods where I was, like I mentioned, being in biology, too busy to do art. But in the past, I, I think past year for sure, but definitely even since May this year, I've been continuously doing art, which has brought me a lot of joy, even though it's it's also brought me a lot of a lot less time than I usually have. I'm able to spend my time doing what I love. Yeah, it's been really busy, but but I really love it. Well, and you also have an Etsy store, mm-hmm. which is how I found you. So to, yeah. to be bold... Lots of people draw. Lots of people do art. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily put it out there. Yeah. So and, was you that know, a... I'd, I've tried in the past, but I just, I was never really committed to it, I think. And this year I kind of took the leap and I actually, yeah, I guess really tried with my store and really put an effort in and it paid off. <laughs> oh, I think it's lovely. I mean... It's to spread the joy, so to speak. And mm-hmm. the fact that you are, you know, balancing a very stressful work environment with something else that brings you joy, that proves to me you're a knower and probably a doer. <laughs> There's doing going on yeah. there, too. That's um, true. Right? And being able to mesh the two and make them support you income-wise at your young age, I, I was 36 before I even considered doing something like that. And I'm morphing all the time. So I was excited that you've kind of never let go of of your intuitive knowing. Because a lot of people go through a period of time. I mean, you could say biology might have been, but um, that's bright and shiny because it looked, it looked good on paper by the sounds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the fact that you didn't stay there for... 14 years like I did (laughs) I'm quite impressed (laughs) I easily could have I think if I didn't know about music therapy I definitely would have just yeah it could be a long time could could be forever that I was in that field so really lucky that I was at Acadia yeah well I love when those serendipities take place so Mm -hmm. if if you could if you could give us a story or two about how intuition has shown up. I mean, we've, your life has been intuition showing up in a sense. But if there's a, another story that pro- comes to mind when you think about how intuition shows up, that would be great. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I know what you mean in that I feel like everything, any big thing I do is definitely intuition. We talked about music therapy. I think moving to Toronto was intuition, knowing that I I needed a bigger or I needed to know something bigger than PEI, bigger than Wolfville, 
And now being here, it's definitely not the place that I want to spend the rest of my life. I love the East Coast. And I think it also, being here made me realize how much I am an East Coast girl and how much I love spending my time there. And that's the place that I want to be. But being in Toronto has definitely led me to meet so many amazing people and have so many opportunities. And I could have so easily not come here, you know? Mm. I could have so easily, it would have been so safe to stay in Halifax or to move back to PEI. It would have been so comfortable, but I just knew that I needed something bigger. And I'm so grateful that I've been in Toronto and I've experienced the things that I have here. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely something. For sure. A little bit of intuition. For sure. And intuition isn't always comfortable. It, no. it doesn't always make you do the comfortable thing. and It's and, really comfortable <laughs> in, my, uh, in my experience. <laughs> even though it brings you joy in the outcome. So that's a good insight yeah, for it's, people. It's, yeah, like I said, I, I know that it's the right thing. And I know that it's going to bring me happiness. But doing it is really hard. And yeah. That's a very fair statement, Maya. Very fair statement, because even putting your artwork out there would be trepidatious in some respects, right? Yeah, very vulnerable. Mm, Intuition and vulnerability. Yes, very true. (laughs) It does make us show ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that is. And and yet that's where the joy comes from sometimes, right? No, for sure. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Music, you know, kind of just another side note um, music is really vulnerable too you know I'm not a person who although music is my career and I consider myself a musician it it doesn't come naturally to me and nor does nor does art though though we said that there's there's some intuition about it it's something that I definitely I work really hard on and I'm good at it because I work really hard I'm not somebody who you know has a lot of innate I, I mean, some people would argue the fact that I am a musician means that I have some innate musicality, but I really, there are some people I know who it just comes so natural to them. And, and that's not me. It's it's also hard work and being having to be really vulnerable in that way. Like switching to music was so scary because it was something that I, though I loved it, I wasn't super comfortable with doing it. And so I definitely had to learn how to grapple with that as well. That's a very profound statement because that's true. Our joy isn't always something that we're natural at. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. If it brings you joy, then that's something you should do. Yeah. Even if you, you think it's not your thing, in quotations, um, if it brings you joy, it is your thing. Yeah. Hundred percent. Oh my goodness, Maya! There's so much wisdom flowing out of you. <laughs> I'm always, I always love that. I always love that. So thank you so much for today. I really appreciate your time. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Oh well, I look forward to sharing you with the world. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. 
And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.